we're talking about Jesus, right? We're celebrating Christmas, like Josh was saying, uh, the fact that, that Jesus was sent to the earth, that we have this good, good father, right, who, who loved us enough, right, who loved the whole world enough to send his son. And, and, and I'm going to, you know, show some glimpses of this Christmas story, which you can read about in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 in the Bible yourself when you get a chance. But I want to highlight some things where I'm going to, I'm going to look at some of these introductions of Jesus, right? Because this is kind of him, uh, the eternal God, stepping onto the stage of humanity, right? Coming down to the earth to be among us for the first time. And, and he was introduced to us prior to his arrival, right? He was introduced. And, and you learn a lot about a person uh, when they're introduced to you, right? You can learn about, you know, who they are, what they do, where they're from, uh, how they're related to the person introducing you to them, uh, you know, maybe the value of the individual to the person introducing them to you. You know, like if it's like a grandmother telling you about their grandkids, like you can tell like this person is valuable to the grandparent. You know, you can see that. Uh, you can also not necessarily, you can't necessarily determine what their character is, but you can at least get some word of their reputation. Like, oh man, you will love this guy. You got to meet this person or, uh, 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 you don't want to, right. You don't want to trust that person. Like I've been burned once or twice, you know, like their, their reputation sometimes precedes them in the introduction that we receive. And so, so I'm going to just kind of go through chronologically as best I can through this Christmas story of Jesus, the Savior being born uh, in a manger, right? All that experience that you probably may be familiar with. And I want to look at the introductions that we've received, the titles that he is given, and the purpose with which he is told as to why he came, right? Because I think that would be interesting. Oh, do you have an idea? We'll, we'll go for one question this morning. What do we got? You, or do you know why Jesus came? Joy to the world. All right, you're excited. That's good enough. I can work with that. I can work with that. So, so, so before Jesus was even conceived, an angel shows up to Mary. You might know Mary. She was this uh, young girl who was a, a virgin. We knew that at that time, uh, right? She was betrothed. She was engaged to someone. And, and God sends a messenger to Mary, all right, so, so angel just means messenger. It's just someone bringing a message, right? The postal service of heaven, I guess, apparently. And, and an angel shows up. It's Gabriel. So let, let's read this, and, and we're going to decrypt, analyze some of these introductions we see of Jesus, in this case, being introduced to Mary. This is Luke chapter 1. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. House of David, uh, we'll, we might dig into that a little bit afterwards. Uh, and, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be, right? So when an angel shows up at your house, uh, you might be a little bit, whoa, whoa, what is going on? And when an angel says that you are favored of the Lord, you might be even like, uh-oh, what does this mean, right? So she's a little bit troubled and she'll, she hasn't even heard the message yet. Yeah, wait till she hears what, what's going to happen. Uh, verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, which just so you're aware, frequently that is the uh, phrase that angels say when they first encounter someone because they're not some cute little baby, you know, like they're, they're like mighty angels of God. They're warriors of God or messengers of God. Uh, so yeah, so the natural human response is sometimes 
fear. So they were like, hey, 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 be cool, be cool, right? Like I'm here with a message. So, so he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, him, uh, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So this angel is a messenger from God. He's bringing the message from God. He's not like embellishing. He's not adding things that he thought would be interesting. He's bringing the message faithfully from God to Mary. So all of this stuff is in here for a purpose, for a reason. So, so the first thing we hear is that, that Jesus will be great, right? So, that, all right, that's good to hear. My son's going to be great. But that doesn't necessarily put Jesus in any you know, too exclusive of a category, because I'm sure that there's people who've lived without throughout history that maybe you might say, oh, that, was, that person was great, right? That person's great. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily put Jesus in a category other than human just yet, but we get there real fast because he says he will also be called the son of the most high, right? That he's the son of the most high God, that he is the son of God. And that's, that's altogether different than just saying that Jesus is a, a child of God, like unto those who would believe and follow Jesus and be saved, who then can become children of God. But this was the Son of God, right? That he was God himself come down onto the earth. And it says that he will be given the throne of David. Now, maybe you've heard of the story of David and Goliath, right? The Old Testament story, this young kid killed a giant, right? There's a whole bunch of stories about David in 1st and 2nd Samuel. And David, uh, because his heart was after God, God actually told David when David became king that his family, his descendants would reign forever. That was a promise that God gave David. And that's something that God doesn't know how to break. He can't break promises. He's faithful to his word. So, so when he says that this son is going to, to sit on the throne of David, right, he's saying, okay, like this is an important person because we know David's lineage is of significance to God the Father, right? It's, and uh, he actually goes further than that. He says that the kingdom uh, would last forever, all right, that, that, that this is an eternal kingdom, all right, and, and elsewhere in scriptures, the prophets talk about the fact that one of David's descendants is going to be the Messiah, is going to be the person who, who saves the world from our biggest problem, which is sin. All right, that he's going to be the sin-bearing servant uh, that, that takes on the punishment of our sin on himself so that we could be forgiven. So, so this is kind of like narrowing down like, oh, wait, this person is actually pretty important. This person is pretty significant. And, and the angel says that this, this son of hers will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So, I mean, theoretically, it's possible for a kingdom, you could imagine that it could continue forever. Uh, that usually doesn't happen. But the fact that now he, the angel is saying that he will reign forever, right? So in order for a person, a king, to rule forever, that means they have to be around forever. So there's something different about this child that is about to be born to Mary, that he's going to reign forever as king, that this king is an eternal king. And the Bible specifies, right, that there's this one person who will reign without end, right? This is someone that the Bible's been uh, introducing us to this person, the Messiah, 
over and over and over again that there's prophecies throughout the Old Testament written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus describing who the Messiah would be, where he would be born, what time period he would be born into, and what he would accomplish. Right? Ever since, I mean, the, the very first messianic uh, prophecies in Genesis chapter 3, which happens to be the same day that right Adam and Eve sinned. So the first time we as humanity messed up, God already had a plan in action to redeem us to himself. Right? And he's like, listen, there will come a time when the seed of the woman will right, crush the serpent's head and the serpent will bite his heel. So, so there's all sorts of prophecies about Jesus. But I want to point out there's this one that talks about this reigning king that will reign forever. This is from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 7. Uh, and so this is one of these prophetic introductions to the Messiah before he's even born on the earth. And this is what it says. So, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, right? Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And check out verse 7. This might be familiar to what Gabriel is telling Mary. She would be familiar with this as well. Of the increase of his government and of, the, uh, and of peace, there will be no end, no end, on the throne of David over his kingdom, right, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, right? So when this angel's telling Mary who this king is that reigns forever, there's only one person that could fit that description. There's only one person that holds that title. So he's kind of cluing her in to the significance of this person that she's going to give birth to. And so Mary now has a question in, in, in verse 34 of Luke 1. And this is, I think, a very legitimate question. Uh, I want to point out that Mary's not just some backwoods person. She kind of knows what's going on. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Okay, so, so just so you're aware, Mary knew where babies came from and more specifically where they don't come from. She understood there's a part of the equation that was missing here that it would be humanly impossible for this to happen without the intervention of God. All right, I want uh, an interesting side note. We talked about it last week as well is that uh, it does not require the denial of science to believe in miracles. Mary didn't think babies just popped out of people all the time randomly. Mary knew what the pattern was. She kind of knew what happened. She knew how things worked. And it's in her knowing the pattern, right? Knowing the consistency that she recognized when something was other than consistent. She recognized when something must be in the category of miraculous because she was familiar with the pattern. Okay. So I just want to point that out. Like you don't have to deny science to believe in miracles. Science will and in fact, point out the times when it's obvious God is intervening because it's like, wait, that doesn't happen, right? People don't walk on water because I understand physics. I understand buoyancy and that's, hmm, that doesn't work, right? We understand what makes sense. And Mary likewise understood this and she was a little troubled by this idea. Verse 35 says, and the angel answered her saying this, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So, so here's some additional titles given to this child. Right? He says that this child is going to be holy. 
And I want to point out, because it would be very easy, especially for like maybe more puritanical Christians to be like, oh, so the baby's holy because there was no sex. But I just so you're aware, sex is holy when it's done in the right time and place. Just so you're aware, right? Uh, Hebrews 13, the Bible commands us to keep the marriage bed holy, and that doesn't mean you're only sleeping there. All right? That doesn't mean like, you know, you got like a wall between you and your spouse. That, all right? You're keeping the marriage bed holy. So it's, that's not the reason that this child is holy was because she happened to be a virgin. The reason this child is holy is because the father of this child is God, that the sin nature of all of humanity since Adam's fall is not being passed down to this child. Right? This is a quote from Gill's Exposition of the Bible. It's Bible commentary. I don't quote them often. But this is what he says about this verse, specifically this word holy. Uh, he says, meaning that this child was, was, it was going to be free from that original pollution and sin in which all that descend from Adam by ordinary generation are conceived and brought forth. Okay, so this child would not have the sin nature, the, the infestation of sin that you and I have. Right? Because like... We understand, like, we struggle to do the right thing, right? My children, even when young, they do the wrong thing, and they, even when they know it's wrong. Like, it's not something I had to, like, teach them, like, Everett, this is how you lie to someone. Like, no, 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 he figures that out on his own real quick, right? It's not like I had to teach him how to do that. And so this child that's going to be born would be altogether different from any other member of humanity while still being fully human, he would simultaneously be holy. And holy just means to be set apart, right? That he's righteous, that he's good, that there, there's not this sin within him. He, he has no need for the forgiveness of sin because this child is holy. All right, so that's, that's an interesting distinction about Jesus. So, so that's Mary's introduction to Jesus uh, and kind of who he is, where reality starts to come into place and she figures out kind of, all right, who this guy is. But what about, what about her boyfriend, Joey, right? What about Joseph, right? Because now he's going to be kind of confused, like, I was engaged to this girl. Mm, I, it wasn't me. What happened here, right? Like, he'd be kind of confused. And fortunately, he gets uh, filled in on the story as well. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, we sh she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, uh, so he's still engaged at this point, uh, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Right? He's like, I, like, I don't know, she's telling me some story. She probably cheated on me, but I might be dodging a bullet here because this one seems crazy. Like, She's saying God gave her this baby. Oh, maybe I'll just kind of walk away. Maybe I, I got lucky here. I don't know. But, but fortunately, God intervenes here, uh, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I just want to point out, uh, Gabriel appears to have shown up to Mary in person. Uh, Joseph seems to have a dream of this angel showing up. Not necessarily the same angel. Uh, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Right? Hey, don't worry about that. I know you were probably frustrated and confused, but you can take Mary as your wife. For what, uh, that, which she, uh, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he's like, okay. Whew. All right, that's a little bit better. I can, I can come to grips with that. 
perhaps. And then verse 21, he's introduced to Jesus by this angel. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And then we get a glimpse at the purpose for which Jesus was born, saying, for he will save his people from their sins, right? So, so I just want to point out, right, this, they even tell us the name of the baby, it's Jesus. Uh, in the Hebrew, uh, Yeshua means uh, that Yahweh saves, Yahweh or Jehovah saves, that God saves is literally the meaning of Jesus' name. So he's saying, like, listen, you're going to name him Jesus because, and then he explains the purpose of his name, also aligning with the purpose of Jesus' life on this earth. And I want to point out that, that the purpose of Jesus' life was to save people from their sins. Notice the angel didn't say, like, man, just you wait. This guy is going to be such a great teacher. Like, your son is going to be a really great teacher. Like, that's one of the things Jesus did, but that's not the reason for which he came. He didn't say that, oh, Jesus, this guy, he's going to do miracles. That's some of the things that Jesus did, but that's not the reason for which Jesus came. All right? He didn't say, oh, man, like, he's going to preach on love. Like, just wait until you hear this, like, golden rule thing. It's going to blow your mind. That's one of the things Jesus did, but that's not the reason for which Jesus came. This is something, the mission he was given, the purpose for which he was born, is something that could not have been accomplished by anyone else. This is what makes him different than all the other great teachers, right? I mean, people in the Old Testament taught the word of God. People in the Old Testament were able to perform miracles when God worked through them. They even raised the dead. So it's not those things that necessarily put Jesus in this special category. The mission he was given was to save people from their sins, all right? So don't just think like, ah, Jesus was just a good teacher like all of these other people, Right? That this is all just similar to this. No, no, no. Because it's what Jesus accomplished that is significant. It's not just the words that he preached. Okay? So I want us to make sure we understand that in his introduction we get this idea. He had a purpose altogether different than everyone else that's ever lived on the earth. That could not have been accomplished by anyone else. That the purpose that Jesus was sent for was to save people from sin. And now the, uh, the author of this gospel, Matthew, he now quotes from the Old Testament. Uh, Matthew's like, listen, okay, so this is what happened. Joseph gets this dream. And let me fill you in on, as to why this is significant. He quotes from uh, Isaiah and uh, verse 22 from Matthew 1. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right, so you might, I, th- that used to be something I'd be like, wait a minute, so was his name Jesus or was it Emmanuel? Right, like I'd be like, what happened? There's this like a contradiction in the Bible. No, 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 it's just, that's what he's, he's called. They'll call him Emmanuel. Like that's like, that's what he's about. Like that's what you would describe him as that's about who he is, is the fact that God is with us, right? What's, it, what's interesting about this Messiah that's prophesied in the Old Testament is, you know, depending on which verses you ignore, you could have been like, oh, maybe God's just going to ordain some significant human being to save the rest of humanity. But what's interesting here is the fact that the Messiah is not just some human, although he is human. He's, he, the Messiah is going to be God himself, the eternal creator stepping down into humanity to be with us, to save us, right? That God, the one who created everything, was going to step into his creation and be a part of creation, 
right? That the God who, who ha- is righteous and holy, right, who could have just left us in our sin mess and our own problems and mistakes, he's like, no, 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 I'm going to come down myself and solve this problem, right? I'm, I'm going to come down and dwell with them. So, so that's what Matthew's, you know, pulling out from this passage. This is, I think, it's Isaiah 7, where you can find the passage that he's quoting from and saying, listen, just so you remember, like, let's look back. This is who's going to be born. And so verse 24, looking at Joseph, it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, married her, right, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So uh, when it says that he didn't know her, he didn't do the thing that makes the babies, right? Uh, that's what he avoided doing until she gave birth to a son, right? You know, to honor kind of what God was already doing at, at work in that situation. So, so they give birth to Jesus, right? Mary gives birth to Jesus, and it, there's all sorts of other stuff you can catch up on in Luke chapter 2 where, right, God gets him at the right place at the right time using, like, some governmental ordinance for a census to be given, which I don't know if you knew that, but God can even work through, like, government to accomplish his will. That's weird. But, but they get to the right place. They give birth to the son. And, and it's, it appears as though on the same night, some angels introduce some shepherds to who this Jesus was. Right? It says this in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were filled with great fear, right? So people being scared of angels seems to be happening again here, right? They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So let's pause right there. The news that this angel's bringing about this baby that was just born is good news for all people. That the Savior that is born is not just the Savior of the Jewish people. The Savior that's born is the Savior of all people, right? That he was sent, right, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? That God loved the world. This Savior was for everybody, even the people who were not Jewish by heritage. That the Savior was also meant for the Gentiles, the non-Jews, Right? And so this angel's like, listen, this is good news for everybody. Right? Even these shepherds hanging out in the field. This, this good news is for people who lived after this generation. This, this is good news for you and me as well. This is good news. This is good news that the Savior was born that we could be saved. Right? And this is something that isn't like altogether different. It's not a, a, a different or contradictory message to the Old Testament. This isn't It's news, but it's not necessarily a new thing that God had put in motion because the prophets have already been talking about the fact that the Savior was going to be for the whole world, that the Savior was going to be for all people. It says uh, in Isaiah 9, 2, 11, 10, 49, 6, as well as Luke 2, 32, a more recent prophecy, that the Savior would be a light to the Gentiles. Right, that the Savior would be for everybody. So it's not like suddenly like a you know, record scratch. Like, what happened here? Wait, the Savior is for everybody. No, no, no. This is something that God's been letting us know from way back. Right? But the good news is that, hey, wait, it's happening now. It was happening in their lifetime. 
And check out what the angel says, verse 11. He says, for unto you a child is born. 